Well, good morning. My name is Ryan Schreckengast, one of the preachers here at GFC. If you were going to describe a setting where you would expect to encounter God, where would that be? What would it look like to describe this setting where you might expect to encounter God? Would it maybe be on top of a mountain, looking down on a beautiful, misty valley in the morning? Would it be on an island surrounded by crashing surf? Would it be in a back alley, smelling of garbage? Would you be alone as you had this encounter with the Lord, or would you be with a loved one? Would it be an encouraging encounter, or would it be a convicting one? Think about where you may expect to find the Lord. Well, the truth is, friends, that God has encoded himself into every part of his creation. Pleasant and unpleasant, mundane and exceptional. So if we have eyes of wisdom which Proverbs is going to call us to this morning, then we can experience God in every part of our lives. The book of Proverbs illustrates this through more than 30 examples of what is known as emblematic parallelism, which is just a fantastically fun word to say, uh, but it just means that something is like something else. They are parallel. They are pictures that are parallel to something else. And as we've been studying through the book of Proverbs, I've been struck with how emotionally charged these very visual examples are. All of them are so evocative visually or in some other way. So I thought it might be interesting to see what a modern tool such as an artificial intelligence art generator, might make of these ancient proverbs. And so this is what I've done this morning. I had the, the AI, Doll E, generate several images from the prompts taken from proverbs. And I have been astounded by how God can reveal himself to us through his incredible creation, even to the point that we can experience what God is like through something like artificial intelligence. So let's first look at several likes that are visible in Proverbs. We're not going to do all 30 of them, um, but there are a few that are here. And so we'll start by looking at those in Proverbs. Then we will see how Jesus uses these likes to encode the truth of the kingdom of heaven. And lastly, we will come to know God himself through his son in the same way because God encodes himself in his creation. So let's look at some images that have been generated from these Proverbs and see what they are like. In each of the Proverbs, the audience is presented with a word picture and then told how it is like something that is parallel to it in concept. For example, look at this image. Maybe. There it is. Look at this image. 
Proverbs 25 verse 14 says, Like clouds and wind without rain is a man who boasts of a gift he does not give. Do you feel the the emotion behind this image? There's this unfulfilled promise. Storm clouds that have every appearance of bringing life-giving rain that is much, much needed. And yet that never deliver on that promise. That it is what it is like for a man who boasts of a gift he does not give. How about this image? <laughs> Proverbs 11:22 says, "Like a gold ring in a pig's snout is a beautiful woman without discretion." Isn't that shocking? It's uncomfortable. This one would have been even more shocking to a Hebrew audience who held pigs as this vile, unclean animal. No matter how outwardly beautiful this golden ring of a woman may be, if she does not have wise judgment and speech, then the beauty is meaningless. It does nothing to change the substance of her character. And so Proverbs uses this imagery to incredible effect. And Proverbs uses positive imagery as well. Look at this image. Proverbs 25, 12. Like a gold ring or an ornament of gold is a wise reprover to a listening ear. Proverbs describes how this teachable man or woman views those who are willing to give them wise reproof as jewelry to be, to be gathered and shown off as beautiful adornments that enhance their own beauty. They do not reject reproof as the fool does. But they recognize it for the tremendously valuable thing that it is. Do you value corrections of the wise men and women as ornaments of beauty? Or consider this image. Proverbs 25.11 A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a silver setting. What a beautiful visual endorsement for the wise use of words. Friends, words that are not only true, but spoken in the right time. And with understanding and compassion for the situation. It is like apples of gold in a silver setting. Here is an image of an alternative kind of speech.
Proverbs 25, verse 20. Whoever sings songs to a heavy heart is like one who takes off a garment on a cold day and like vinegar on soda. Friends, when someone is suffering, it can be not only unhelpful, but harmful to give them such platitudes and songs as we are so often tempted to give, even if they're true. So think about this picture the next time you find yourself in a similar situation. Are your words fitly spoken, like apples of gold in a silver setting? Or are you tearing off their cloak on a cold day? I love how memorable and and impactful these images are. Another common theme of parallelism in Proverbs is to provide two images as a contrast. Go ahead and look at these images. Proverbs 15, 19. The way of a sluggard is like a hedge of thorns, but the path of the upright is a level highway. Two paths, one obscured and full of pain as you force your way to where you were not meant to be in the first place, and the other clear and free from unnecessary hardship leading to safety. Friends, this is the choice that you are making when you decide whether to procrastinate or to follow through with your responsibilities. Friends, there are many, many ways in which the path of the sluggard is like a hedge of thorns, but the path of the upright is a level highway. Look at these next contrasting images. Proverbs 19.12 A king's wrath is like the growling of a lion, but his favor is like dew on the grass. The attitude of kings towards you makes the difference between a threat of violence and calm, peaceful rest. So this morning, consider the contrast of the outcomes here and pray for our rulers that we may worship God in peace, not under threat of violence. I love these images for how memorable and impactful they are. And every one of these proverbs has obviously very direct applications. And I've touched on a few of those this morning. But what can we learn about this principle of recognizing how these things are like the deeper truths of God? How can we recognize that truth? Well, first of all, 
we should recognize that the tools that God has given us in his word are for us to feel and to experience his wisdom on this kind of visceral level. God's word is absolutely full of imagery just like this that helps us to both remember and apply his truth. I have found this descriptive imagery to be very helpful in my own walk with the Lord. Why? Because the Bible is alive. It is, it is vibrant. It is full of life and truth. It's not a dead text, friends. The Bible speaks to our minds and our hearts and our emotions. And so we need to understand that as we do our Bible study, as we dig into this living word of God, that this is the kind of thing we should feel. But secondly, this morning, I want us to recognize that God has encoded himself into every part of his creation. And so if we approach life with eyes of wisdom, then we can experience him in every part of our lives. In Proverbs 24, verse 30 through 32, the author of Proverbs describes exactly how he was inspired to write one of these Proverbs. Verses 30 through 32 say this, I passed by the field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense. And behold, it was overgrown with thorns. The ground was covered with nettles and its stone walls were broken down. Then I saw and considered it. I looked and received instruction. Friends, through the eyes of wisdom, the author of Proverbs receives instruction from the Lord by what he saw passing by some random guy's run-down garden. That's what he was doing. And he received instruction. Friends, no matter what you encounter in your life, if your heart is aligned with God, then he can teach you about himself and teach you of his truth by understanding what he is like. Receive instruction on God's creativity when you, when you see insects moving around on the sidewalk. Receive instruction about Christ's suffering through your own suffering. Receive instruction on God's holiness when you look at the brightness of the sun. Receive instruction about the folly of sin when, when you take out your bread for breakfast and it's covered in mold. Receive instruction on God's compassion when you look at your children sleeping. 
Friends, receive instruction from God in every part of your life. But now, you need to be careful not to draw the wrong parallels when you do this. To do this rightly, we must have wisdom. But the personification of wisdom promises us in Proverbs 8 verse 17 that I love those who love me and those who seek me diligently will find me. So friends, by diligently seeking wisdom through the word of God and through the instruction of the Holy Spirit, you can find wisdom. And so you can expand the scope of what will instruct you dramatically. You must not ever interpret God through your experiences. But you must interpret your experiences according to the wisdom of God. And if you do that, friends, then you will find wisdom everywhere that you look. Because God has given you his creation as a gift and an incredible tool where he has encoded himself. Here are just a few more examples from Proverbs. How could you be instructed in wisdom when you pass by a mangy street dog? Look at this image. Proverbs 26, 11. Like a dog that returns to his vomit is a fool who repeats his folly. Or how can you be instructed in wisdom when you see a home surrounded by extensive security? Like this image of this ancient city. A rich man's wealth is his strong city. And like a high wall in his imagination. How can you be instructed in wisdom when you read about devastation in a war-torn nation or a bombed-out city like this image? Proverbs 25, 28. A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. What about the instruction of wisdom from a polluted drinking fountain? Have a look at this. Proverbs 25, 26. Like a muddied spring or a polluted fountain is a righteous man who gives way before the wicked. Friends, look at how God has encoded himself into every part of his creation. From the mundane to the exceptional. 
So if we have eyes of wisdom, we can experience God in every part of our lives. Do you see how these visible analogies of what God is like help us to not only understand on an intellectual level, but to understand God on an emotional level? And Jesus himself made use of this kind of imagery. Excuse me. Jesus used this to separate the wise from the foolish by explaining to his disciples in Matthew 13 that these parables, these images, are only valuable to those who have the wisdom to see God in his creation. Which brings us to point two. What the kingdom of heaven is like. In Matthew 13 verse 11. When the disciples ask Jesus why he uses parables. He says this. To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. But to them, it has not been given. And in verse 16, he says, But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. Friends, for those with the wisdom of God, we are able to see how God has encoded the truth of his kingdom in a contrast, like a mustard seed and a mustard tree, like this comparison image. Matthew thirteen thirty one through 32 says, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds. But when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. God's kingdom seems small and insignificant against the world in its power. But in reality, friends... It is the promise of a glory and a life beyond anything we could imagine. That is what the kingdom of God is like. Those with the wisdom of God are able to see how God has encoded the truth of his kingdom in this picture of a buried treasure or a hidden pearl. This is what the kingdom of heaven is like. Matthew 13, 44 through 46. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has. And he buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls 
who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and he bought it. God's kingdom is more valuable, friends, than anything that this world has to offer. It is worth more than anything else we could ever attain. And friends, the kingdom of God is worth giving up everything else. Everything else to find it. Those with the wisdom of God are able to see how God has encoded the truth of his kingdom in this image of an overflowing catch of fish. Matthew 13, 47 through 50. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown out into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers, but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Friends, in the end, God's judgment will be gathered in. People from all nations will face the same judgment. Do you see how Jesus uses these truths encoded in his creation to represent the truth of his kingdom? Not to the fool, but to those with the wisdom to see it. How does this apply this morning, friends? Without the wisdom of God, you will not be able to see or hear the truths that God has encoded in his creation. You will encounter the truth of God every single day. But you will be blind to it. Creation will never be for you anything more than chemical processes perpetuating life. Your own suffering will never be more than meaningless pain. Your home, your money will never serve a greater purpose than your own comfort. This sermon will never be more to you than some guy quoting an old book for less than an hour. But, friends, if you have eyes to see and ears to hear, 
then you will not stop at simply marveling at the creation of God. You will not stop there. You will not stop even at seeing the fact that there is a creator God in his creation. But friends, if you have ears to hear and eyes to see, then you will come to know that God intimately through his son, Jesus Christ. Friends, you will value the kingdom of heaven like a treasure, like a pearl. And you will know that it is worth all that you have to find him. And you will ask the most important question. How can you face that judgment of heaven and not be thrown out like worthless catch? How is that possible? And by God's grace, he has encoded the answer to that question into his creation as well. So if we have eyes of wisdom, we can find him through Jesus, which is the final point on your outline. In John chapter 9, after healing a man who was born blind, Jesus talks with the Pharisees and the religious elite about this very question. He says in chapter 9, verse 39, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. And so the Pharisees claim that they have the wisdom of God to see. They know the truth. And so Jesus tests them by using this type of like imagery. We see this image that Jesus describes. He says in John 10 verses 7 through 9. Truly, truly, I say to you. I am the door of the sheep. All who come before, all who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Friends, God has encoded himself into every part of his creation. And so, if we have eyes of wisdom, we can see, like this door, that Jesus Christ is the only way into the kingdom of heaven. He 
is like that door. And we are like those sheep. So how does this apply this morning? Friends, enter the kingdom of heaven through the door of Jesus Christ. Come in through the sacrifice of his blood. And friends, if you have already come into that sheepfold, if you have thrown yourself on the works of Jesus Christ for your salvation, then marvel at what Jesus has done for you. See him in everything because Jesus has made it possible for you to enter the kingdom of heaven. How many times a day will you walk through a door? Let every single one of those times remind you of the miracle that Jesus accomplished on your behalf hundreds of times. Be reminded of what Jesus Christ did for you through his blood. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, that you made a way for us to find you. God, that you sent your son, that you prepared for us not only the perfect place, but you made it possible for us to encounter you every day. That we don't have to wait, God, to heaven to see what you are like. God, you gave us the perfect imprint of your character through your son, Jesus. And all we need to do is look to him. And all we need to do to look to him is look around at what he has created. God, thank you for filling your creation with the beautiful and with the terrible. God, thank you that you have filled your creation with joy and with suffering. God, that we may know what you are like. Father, you are so good to us. May we see you this morning. Amen.